All right, welcome back. We took a little break, and we are uh, back to it. Uh, this is the Lakin and Kyle at True Self Podcast. On here, we talk about social-emotional needs, which are positive self-identity, connection, belonging, purpose, and emotional stability. I'm Lakin. I'm Kyle. And today, the topic is uh, just getting into needs and what they are, uh, why we aren't really taught about them, and what we can do to start talk, uh, changing the way we talk to ourselves about our needs and then changing the way we communicate them proactively to other people. Yeah, and also, generationally, we don't learn what is not talked about, and so it's important to learn how to talk about some of these needs and wants so that yeah. as we're moving forward and generationally we're evolving, uh, we have these in our back pocket instead of a huge mental crisis. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I just made a list of, you know, we, we, we talk about some of the needs, and I, when I was thinking about this, I thought it was a little bit ironic that we hadn't even spent uh, an episode going over what the needs are, maybe why we have them, or how they affect us, and and maybe even why we are not taught about them. And so I was like, wow. You know, I was writing that workbook the other day, and I was like, it, it's not really surprising because of how humans are, or how I think they are, I guess, um, that we haven't done it. We kind of are creatures of habit. We take things for granted, and we are products of our environment. And we don't really do things until we have to. Um, and so we've come to a point in our evolution where things are essentially too easy, I think, for a lot of people. And we have generations of people who have been raised where they've had money, um, they've had structure, they've had education, they've had they have a way to make money, and yet we have a extreme uh, problem. I guess I'll say, in our society where we have a lack of fulfillment, uh, purposelessness, meaninglessness, if you will, um, distrust, um, lack of connection, lack of belonging, uh, loneliness, boredom, um, you know, phone addiction, drug addiction, suicide, all these things. And, um, and, you know, you would think when things are easy, that would be great for us and we could just hang out. Obesity, sorry, I left out that one. Um, you know, but obviously something's missing, right? And, you know, we spent a lot of time when we first got this, you know, started, got this idea uh, and get this thing going. of like, well, what what is the problem? You know, why? Uh why are these th why why when things are so easy for say 50% of the people are they unhappy why are wealthy people who have their kids why do they have such hard time coping with life you know like you know wealthy people and they are unhappy some of them mm -hmm. um and so i spend my time a lot of times just trying to think about you know when somebody's acting out what's going on with that person and i often can boil it down to one of these things is is, is missing uh i th i think you know i don't always ask them but what are the uh, things so um 
I wrote down the ones we mentioned earlier, which are connection, belonging, emotional stability, purpose, positive self-identity, self-identity. And then there's a couple more that fit in there somewhere that we don't uh, talk about, but we, we know about. And that's like uh, safety, which is a, a very big need that we kind of take for granted a lot of the time. Trust. Um, and also how to trust and who to trust and like the metrics to measure people by. Uh, we aren't really taught those things very well. Um, and you can group some of those things in with the kind of umbrella of love, you know, or perceived love. And then um, I think there is sometimes a need for stimulation. Um, and it can come in the form of knowledge. Uh, it can come in the form of in the in the form of food, or but it's it's it can come in the form of uh, thinking. Um, but we often fill that need with unhealthy things like food, alcohol, uh, drugs, um, and whatever. But we are wired to learn just as much as we are wired to eat, and so um, we have that kind of dopamine hit on whatever you do and if you start creating a habit that wires that in a in a way that becomes slightly obsessive then it'll become um, unhelpful for you because it'll become uh, it'll dominate your life what do you think about that um i just to to narrow it bring it a little bit clearer because you touched on so many points I'm not really sure where to start yeah so what I would start with is why why aren't we taught about these things you know like and I'm not necessarily asking you I'm just this is something I think about and I have thought about and I wrote about the other day why aren't we taught about these things well it's because I believe it's because for the first 10 20 30 50 hundred thousand years that humans existed um we literally needed each other to survive. And so this is, in my opinion, the first time that we have um, an extremely high level of perceived safety um, on our own, away from the tribe, away from the group. And, um, you know, we have the, we don't raise our kids the same way. We don't have the same connection with our parents. Uh, we have other people teach them school. We have um, distant connections. We, we have the ability to pick up and move our entire family across the country via airplane. Um, so we don't have our family unit right next to us. We aren't forced to live next to them. And so we can disband our tribes. That's a phrase I've heard. Uh, and people, this is the first time in human history that people are trying to venture out and live literally on their own, like in their own apartment. And so um, it's, um, I believe it's a, a culmination of circumstances where we perceive a want or need for space from everyone and we have the financial ability to accomplish it. And because we don't understand why we actually need that perceived support or uh, skills to make friends and we aren't taught those things, it's kind of imparted upon us by structure of school, by work, by whatever, um, when we run into trouble, we, we tend to kind of freeze and not know what to do. And then we 
you know, eat about it, drink about it, do drugs, just isolate and get depressed and lonely, um, whatever. You know, find a poor coping skill, I guess. Okay. <laughs> okay. I don't. Did you ask me a question? No, no, oh, no. Okay. I'm waiting for. Okay, I'm some, like, uh, I don't know. Do you? It's just very. Um, it's a lot. Broad, it's a lot. So it's hard for me to pick a narrative to go after, right? Um, and so. Well, let's. Let me ask you a question. I'll ask you a question. Um, how. Something that we take for granted, right? Something that we don't even talk about. You know, it's a problem in workplaces where we have, you know, aggressive bosses, or we have parents who don't know how to take care of their kids. Uh, how does a perceived lack of safety affect somebody growing up? That's something that you can relate to. Um, I don't know if that's really. A perceived lack of safety. How does it affect a child? Yeah, a child, up? an adult. I mean, uh, it's a problem. There's research about it. Yeah, I mean, well, number one, our brain develops differently. Right. Um, and it keeps the child in fight or flight, right. um, making it very difficult to critical think because they're acting in just survival mode. So they're living in this state of anxiety and fear. Um, and so when they're they get the opportunity to have positive reinforcement, the underlying emotion is still fear. Yeah. And so it confuses their internal, um, I guess, understanding of what's right and what's wrong. And yeah. oftentimes it'll lead into like unhealthy, unbalanced relationships and um, disassociated reasoning for actions where you, when you were talking earlier, I recognize it's like where we can see this uh, lack of connection between our human needs is in school, right? Like, so when we're raising a small child, we really encourage them to ask why mm -hmm. or to figure that out and to explore, you know, well, why is that cup not falling over, right? For example. And once they get into school, somewhere along the lines in middle school, they start to indoctrinate doctrinate them in just following the rules. Don't ask us questions, just follow the rules. Um, don't ask why so much, but just accept the literature we're, we're uh, presenting to you. And so uh, when we do get older, there's the underlying question of like, well, why? Well, why are we doing this? And it, for me, it's like, I'm not motivated if I don't know why I have to do something, mm -hmm. especially if I have to put myself in any kind of discomfort to achieve what someone else thinks is important, but has yet to explain to me why it's important. And this has a lot to do with, I think, our thought patterns and how we attach reason to reason and meaning to our objective and actions during the day. And so there's this innate need for humans no matter what age, to have a level of attachment as well as a level of individuality. And so we get pulled back and forth throughout that polarity. And if you can understand that it's important for you to have some level of attachment to, to things, to your history, to your culture, to family, to other people, then you can create space to nurture that type of connection and relationships. And then you can also create space to uh, explore your creativity and your individuality and express yourself right. uniquely. Right. And I think the basis of that understanding is not very well like known. 
And it would help, it would, you know, just dismantle a lot of anxiety, concern, and and just not knowing. Right. If there's too many options, people just, they freeze and they don't do it. And so knowing that you have the power to assign meaning to your purpose of life and your happiness and your fulfillment level uh, is the first step. But, but knowing that it's your responsibility is the second. Yeah. Uh, one thing that... I'm not sure. One thing that you you were talking about um, reminded me of something that is occurring slowly in our culture. It's been happening and it's continuing to happen. And that is the replacement of religion. Uh, Religion used to satisfy a lot of these needs. And, um, but, but they didn't tell you that, you know, it just did it. It created community, it created purpose, it created belonging, it created connection, and it created love. Regardless, even if you didn't like anybody at church, as long as you believed in God, uh, God loves you, right? And so it's this perceived need being filled and you're able to operate at the next level, um, or an appropriate level, a safe level. You know, you trust the future is going to be fine. Um, you don't even know. You know, some people aren't even afraid of death, uh, which is fine. Hell. Which is fine. Uh, mm-hmm. But the point is, a lot of people are afraid of death, and so um, this this safety um, response um, built into us, instinct, safety instinct. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of frees that. Uh, a little bit and so when we don't have some kind of critical understanding of where we came from why why death happens how death happens and what purpose it serves and that it's not necessarily bad people are dying people are going to die um, it creates a fear you know a a fear-based operation I think Um, And it's just an example, right? It's just an example. It can, you could even say about pain. Um, people have different varying pain tolerance, um, and we are very averse to pain. We avoid. We are much more likely to avoid pain than seek pleasure. Um, and so, understanding that about ourselves and bringing awareness to it, uh, we can then resist that urge to maybe just stay in our safe little house and not go outside and not make friends or you know because you're talking about somebody who had a rough upbringing and like they have all their basic physiological needs met uh food water shelter safety air and but they don't think and they don't think they need any friends they don't trust anybody um and so it's like this fear of more pain right that you, you experience pain growing up you don't trust anybody why do you need anybody it's much easier just to sit here you know it's comfortable there's no nothing no pain happening um and so you're you're kind of becoming risk averse um and so what i think about is like well if you're not meeting these needs um it's probably affecting you in a different way. That same person has uh, health problems, <laughs> right? Um, atypical health problems, non-standard problems, health problems that maybe somebody wouldn't 
um, the average person doesn't have at his age, right? So, you know, you can imagine that, like, n not trusting people operating in this kind of lonely, unsafe environment um, maybe leads to, and we know that, we know that these things happen, right? If you aren't getting your needs met, you will likely, it will likely manifest in health problems, obesity, loneliness, boredom, suicide, addiction. Uh, that's what happens, mm -hmm. right? You agree? Yeah, I agree that those are subsets of not, you know, I taking care of certain needs. Right, which happens because you probably don't even know uh, agree that they are needs, right? Well, or the conversation just hasn't happened, or you haven't heard the language being spoken before. Right. Or you aren't familiar with understanding your emotional body, right? Um, right. I think today it's really common to put substances, whatever kind, in your body, have yeah. chemical reactions. Pharmacological. And then not, not be able to feel fully your emotions. Yeah. Um, and then also when you feel them, you know, identifying them or naming them something that they're not. Mm -hmm. And so it's really just the conversation has to take place and the vocabulary has to get out for right. it to be associated with the, with the living, with your living life, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's massive amounts of evidence and it continues to come where if people don't get these needs met, you know, there's another symptom, which is like anxiety. If you don't feel safe, you're probably anxious, um, because anxiety, in my experience, is a a is a lack of perceived safety or something that protects you from something bad happening. Uh, that's how I feel it, you know. Um, and yeah, and so I I kind of look at anxiety and excitement as being very similar emotions. It's just the story that you tell behind it. And so I've been looking at this term called frames, like pain frames. And so when we have an emotion and the next thing we think is something negative, it's usually because you experienced a negative, um, you had some sort of negative experience that, it, that you attached to that feeling. And so when you're caught between the past and hypercritical of where you're at to move forward in the future, it enables you to even be present. Um, and so just that lack of being able to enjoy the moment without any expectations or attachments to the future or past, it creates some sort of um, disbursement of your energy and makes it difficult for you to even fully process what's going on now. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, bad and good are highly subjective terms. Um, yeah, it feels pretty similar in the body, right? You get excitement I at the like top of your stomach chest, and in your chest. And like, like anxiety is in my stomach. So, uh, yeah, and why I say it's the same is because th this area is a referral area. So you can touch any area in the body and or in the section and still feel it. Um, it, like, covers that area, the section. So, anyways. All right, well, um, I'd like to just... Um, maybe go over um, how, how we fill these, these needs in our lives, right? Okay. Uh, or, or what it's like, what you feel like when it's not being filled also, because oftentimes people don't 
don't know what these needs fill or don't fill. Um, including myself. Sometimes I will be missing one of these and I will not realize it and I'll just be irritated. And so let's see, let's start with um, connection. Um, how do I, I experience connection um, on both a macro and micro level? Um, you know, when I don't, it's, it's much, sometimes it's easier to talk about what, talk about these needs from an opposite perspective, like how do I feel when, how do I know when one of these needs is not being met? Well, I know if you and I are not connecting, um, then I'm probably not talking very much to you. I don't feel comfortable offering feedback. I'm not, I'm usually um, resisting. Um, I don't really feel like putting myself out there and um, I kind of isolate into my own thoughts in my, my own world. And if I don't take the time to think about how you're going to experience that, um, I usually can live there for a while. And then it, what happens is it brings up these massive problems for us, actually, where we uh, end up not being able to communicate about anything uh, practical or purposeful and uh, it bleeds into everything yeah so I think what I would say is that for me instead of looking at each an individual like each thing on that list I don't go there and get really in-depth unless I see a problem or I don't have a strong enough solution to what I'm dealing with so what I try and focus on is like I look at my love languages I look at my communication I look at my consistency that I have in my life and the inconsistency, like the uncertainty that I crave and then my boundaries. And so that's basically kind of how I judge where I'm at. And so my love languages, identifying which love languages you have and your partner has goes a long way because if you're feeling a lack of love or forgotten or fear of abandonment, it's probably because you're not getting enough love language of your own your cup is running empty and that might be your fault because you're not communicating it but nonetheless it really reduces the amount of options that i need to focus on um consistently consistency i like to have uh, stability so with stability i have to carve out time for surprises for uh serendipities to occur like just to to float and play and have free play they often like spontaneity yeah so they describe it in school right like they give you a structure and then they give you free play and both are important but for me i tend to really enjoy having some consistency more um, i operate good with constraints um, and then boundaries always uh, piss me off. So if I'm angry, <laughs> Talk about uh, that. well, if I'm angry, then I'm just like, what's going on in my life? It usually has to do with me feeling as if I'm living out of alignment with my integrity, um, with my self acceptance. And so I just, I pull that string and then I, I arrive that way. Yeah. One of the things that I, uh, find absolutely just, I don't want to say mind blowing, but 
intriguing um, that I constantly think about is my perceived need for agency um, and how, you know, that's a problem. I never really understood that idea. Um, I knew that I hated being told what to do uh, or being forced to do things that I maybe thought I didn't want to do, uh, whether it was going to school, going to work, um, you know, at a certain time or whatever, and I kind of resisted that kind of authority. Uh, and uh, when I when I heard about this concept, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, and there's studies about how it affects old people who, um, you know, they're told that they don't have to take care of themselves, and they're told some are told that they are they do have to take care of themselves, and the ones that have the agency and take care of themselves or a plant or that for what matter are extreme are much more healthy, and so what it reminds me of is how we've kind of built this structure in our society where uh, we have to go do what somebody else wants us to do to make a little bit of money for us and a lot of money for them so that we can basically meet our basic needs uh, of food, water, and shelter. And a lot of us have to struggle for what seems like a long time, maybe five, ten years, uh, just to get ahead a little bit. And I think we're we're not respecting that part of people's kind of needs uh and it it's soul-sucking it's i think it contributes to the spiritual sickness idea that we keep uh that we you know the phrase we use um because you feel somewhat powerless you you feel maybe like your life is meaningless it takes away your ability to choose your own purpose because we also are not taught how to map out our future and how that can be very much on the way um, to whatever your goal is 20 or 30 years later. Uh, but one, you know, we're just not taught about these things as kids. And once you think, oh, I'm an adult, I'm going to be free. And then you actually are going to what feels like kind of like a jail where you have this, you know, expensive, well, you want an expensive life, but you can't make enough money to do it because college isn't necessarily going to get you a great job. So then you have debt you have to pay, uh, even if you go to college. Um, anyways. You know this whole rat race. Um, uh, I think you can relate because you, um, you know, we're still there. <laughs> I've got a lot of time to make up uh, for decisions I made, and we moved with nothing, and it's hard to get ahead. Um, and so we constantly have to talk about well, why are we do- why are we doing this? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I mean, I ultimately blame people. Um, so there's levels of, of reconditioning that has to happen. There's yeah. reconditioning yeah. that has to happen on the individual level, on the family level, in the communal level, society level, and the organizational level, and then political level. And so this is extremely frustrating, and I actually thought of this originally when we started talking about teaching people or just you know investigating this idea of social-emotional health because I was just so bummed I was not able to attract a healthy friend or the friends that I did attract were just like had super unhealthy behaviors that I couldn't really be around all the time and so I was in this state of like really loneliness because there weren't healthy enough people around me um there wasn't a healthy narrative going on for our community and so uh fast forward I, I still see that. I see that now when I'm starting my new business um, and I'm trying to introduce myself to people, the decision makers, and they are so on their 
own program, this mm-hmm. political agenda of the Good Old Boys Club that, you know, thankfully has to change. It's going to be changing. There's lots of information coming down the pipe and funding to make that change. Um, and unfortunately, we might just have to wait for people to die. <laughs> and I think that that's where we're headed. And I'm fine with that because I can see the light at the other end of the tunnel. But, um, yeah, it's just, like, frustrating because it leaves people feeling hopeless and it's like well why why live why am i doing this and Mm -hmm. i don't think a lot of people really talk about it but i often will think of you know can't waiting to die because it sucks and that's not because i'm super depressed it's because there's no way out um there's no opportunities it doesn't matter how hard i work it doesn't matter how educated i get it doesn't matter you know what how much I go outside of my comfort zone, the rewards of progress don't come. And so it's frustrating. At least they don't come long enough. It's like, okay, well, what's the trajectory on seeing those results? Is it five years? Is it 10 years? Is it 15 years? And it's like, at what point do you give up? And so it's really, uh, you know, a good and bad time for people who are innovators naturally because innovation will happen because of this pain and discomfort and extreme constraints of society. However, the people who have the money to bring life to those innovations are not available to listen. They're too high on a stand to, you know, come down to, as I say, the peasants, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And our lifestyle isn't even affecting the way they live their life. There's just very extreme opposites. And so I am super surprised that I don't hear people talk about Um, wanting to kill themselves more but we do see it in the numbers that suicides has gone up drug overdose have gone up um, and so you're you're seeing it on a on a scale yeah depression I mean we hear about that yeah so like one in three girls in high school have feelings of hopelessness and suicidal thoughts Um, and those are the next generation coming up and so hopefully they'll live for 10 more years until the baby boomers start to die off yeah yeah, it's just, it's insane because they're breaking that glass ceiling is extremely frustrating. And what's the worst, I think, is people not coming together and organizing with that same narrative. Right. It's like, I say something and I'm an outcast because that's bizarre. We don't talk about, uh, you know, being depressed, that depressed. We don't talk about wanting to hurt yourself because they'll put you on medication and lock you up because that's against the narrative of what has always been. So that's my little rant. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's sad. Um, and you know, I don't, I don't know if I want to go too far into what I'm thinking right now, but it reminds me of how we have this cultural stigma slash unwillingness to teach our kids about sex. Um, and, you know, many different, uh, thinkers, researchers, philosophers believe that one of the only, uh, clear purposes of life is to pass on your genes. But why would you want to if life's the hell? And um, I get there's well, it's arguments. just biological, like, intrinsic. Yeah, you know, that's why we're we're wired for connection, love, and uh, what that leads to. If you put uh, people close enough together for long enough, 
is sex. Oh, and so one other thing about that. And it feels good, obviously. Like, that's why we're wired that way, because we are one of the only creatures who's conscious enough to choose not to have kids. Yeah, so I think um, men a little bit more than women, because there's a lot more women, young women, like 20s, 25s, who are getting fixed, getting hysterectomies, because they Mm. absolutely do not want kids. And when women get those kind of surgeries early on, it really affects their relationship with sex. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, So, um, you know, I don't don't really want to get too far into that, uh, just because... Um, I'm not sure how I've decided. I haven't decided how to talk about it yet, and I know it's a very controversial subject. Uh, but I do think that we have a problem where we don't um, educate kids about our biological needs, wants, and whatever um, with regard to sex and the problems that creates uh, for us. Um, I think it creates a, a lack of positive self identity. Um, a lack of understanding of why uh, you need to set healthy boundaries, why you need good girlfriends uh, or boyfriends or whatever, um, and why you tend to gravitate. You know, we have conversations oh with the kids. Yeah, let me just tell this story. So Oliver, he's in second grade. He came home from school, and it was uh, Valentine's Day. And so we're talking about... He asked, what is a valentine? You know, because he was asked to be someone's valentine. And I explained it a little bit, and he just thought it was the cutest thing. But then he tells me that there's a kid named Ryan and another girl that he likes, and that Ryan made her be his valentine. And I said, what do you mean he made her? And Oliver replied, well, yeah, she said that she had to because he wouldn't let her not be hers. And I just thought, God, what a red flag domestic violence <laughs> because you're in second grade and you feel obligated to be out of a communal relationship make a relationship that's more special uh, based on pressure and the way you're treated and manipulation so it's just obviously it's rooted in our society so. yeah yeah and uh, you know I think religion accomplishes a, got a lot of good things but it does not educate in a healthy way about the science behind your uh, behind these needs um, so that people can understand themselves and make educated decisions for themselves um, I think religion takes away a lot of agency and as we learn more about what that um, why you know what that need what having that perceived need fills for us from a holistic health perspective um i forgot what i was yeah you checked your watch (laughs) yeah um but i guess what i'm saying is having our perceived agency taken away from us in in the name of some greater good that we have to just have faith in uh will likely lead to, um, I think, will manifest as other kind of health problems. And it does, um, you know. Yeah, so, I mean, I think have faith in yourself. Yeah, That's really well, what it's about. I have mean, faith yourself, in yourself that uh, you will arrive. Have faith in your community, but that's also why you need to make oh, relations with your community. Well, yeah, you're, you're a tough cookie when it comes to uh, what faith really means. Like... Uh, you tell me to have faith, but then you tend to not really have a lot of faith in anybody but yourself. I don't, exactly, yeah, and I'm good with that, because my experiences have shown me that 
many people are just brainwashed into behaving and thinking what they're told. And then when you give them an olive branch, um, their actions don't back it up. And so for me, my patients are pretty small because I just don't, uh, <clears throat> I'd rather put my energy into my kids, into my family, building wealth and hopefully trying to create a foundation for people to learn about their themselves and then become healthier. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so um, we're going, we're getting kind of long here, so I want to just put in a phrase that I think is important. Um, you know, we don't really operate well in a, an environment that is all challenge, uh, and we don't operate well when we are only 100% supported and not providing support or challenge for ourselves or somebody else uh, so you know we've talked about balance in one of our episodes and I think the best way to think about this is you need to meet these needs the connection belonging purpose all these things uh, and the best way to think about that is you need to have perceived support and then that allows you to go out and take a risk which um, is a challenge I think real support real support well, real perceived support can be real support. Right, but the reason why per, like perceived support is a phrase is because companies paid researchers to do the research to just say, like, how can we basically provide the best quality lip service without paying for the full resources? I mean, because it, that's really the difference. Perceived support in research is basically just the idea that support is available. Real support is the support actually being available for you to use. Yeah, I mean, so you have different. to cultivate the support. I'm not saying go rely on a company. I don't know what, I don't know. No, what. I'm saying the term perceived support, though. Okay. Maybe if you could just remove perceived because okay. we're focused, like so support is Figure out what, you're, what you need to feel supported. Yeah. And, uh, and make, you know, then figure out how to make that happen, like, it can be family, it can be friends, it can be um, all kinds of different resources. You know, family and friends are probably the best way to do it, um, whether it's emotional, financial, um, some kind of companionship, um, something that gives you purpose or whatever, and then, uh, you know, figure out how you want to just make a step Oh, you can um, go to www.lakeandamber.org and download my fulfillment exercise. Yes. It rates your life in 11 different categories, and then you pick the three lowest. There's an action plan and a another additional paper to place in front of you as a reminder. Yeah. Or you can also donate there, right? You can also donate. Go to my page, go down and hit pay. You get to choose whatever you want. Yeah. It's like the w most wonderful thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If this, if this had any value for you, feel free to send back the value that it gave you. Um, Log. Log me. All right, well, I'm sure there's much we didn't, a lot we didn't cover, um, and so we'll uh, hit that again at some point. Um, you can also email us at trueself.education at gmail.com. Uh, we would love to hear from you and 
Um, so glad to be back, and hopefully there won't be such a long break between now and our next episode. Um, you got okay. anything else? Bye. Bye.